Thanks for joining us for a classic edition of In the Studio with Michael Card. Several years ago, this weekly program was recorded at Michael's home studio in Franklin, Tennessee. We got to meet many of Michael's friends and hear about the work of God in the Nashville community and around the world. Though some of the details about guests and ministries may have changed, the powerful lessons from the Bible and the reality of God's faithfulness told in these conversations stand the test of time. Let us know your reaction. Our web and email address hasn't changed, but now you can connect via Facebook or Twitter when you search for Michael Card. This is In the Studio, coming to you with Michael Card. I'm Wayne Shepherd here in Franklin, Tennessee. I always say this to start a program, Michael, but I'm so excited about this program yeah, today. Yeah, me too. Yeah, you know, people are going to think, oh, that's just what they always say, but, but it's not true. We get to do this every week, yeah. and it really is a joy for us to be here yeah. and to present these programs. And yeah, how many times, like we just had to do with our next guest, how many how many times have we had to say, uh-oh, don't talk anymore, we got yeah, to yeah, record yeah. this. Yeah. This is too good, let's get it on the program. Yeah. We'll introduce that guest to you here in just a moment, but coming up on the program today, we're actually going to step outside the studio. Mm-hmm. There is a project in Franklin, Tennessee, uh, undertaken by the Empty Hands Fellowship yep. to build a home for mm-hmm. a family, and we're going to actually go there. Right. Denny's going to, we're going to meet Denny down there and, and uh, going to walk through the house and uh, and see uh, what's coming out of uh, Empty Hands. <laughs> so we'll step outside the studio in the second half yeah. today. Also today, a Q&A time with you. And by the way, as people listen to us, I always give the email address in the studio at michaelcard.com if you have a question a Bible question uh, to pass along to Michael here. We select some of those to be used on the program. We'll do some of that today. So send those questions along in the studio at michaelcard.com. Also, before we really get started today and ask you to sing, Michael, I wanted to mention that through our partnership with RBC Ministries now, your book, The Walk, has been recently re-released. Right. And I know that'll be a, 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 some good news to a lot of our listeners here. Yeah, and they were very creative about it. They actually put in the back of the book a CD that has a conversation with uh, Bill Lane, mm-hmm. who the, the book is really about Bill's yeah. life. Bill, yeah. uh, now with the Lord. Yeah. So that's uh, that's really extra special to yep. have that conversation in the book there. It's called The Walk, and it's available from uh, Discovery House Publishers and RBC. Yeah. So, All right. Well, today we're going to talk about uh, slavery. This is part two of our conversation. Mm-hmm. We had such a good introduction last time we Just were together. Barely scratched the surface. I know we did. Yeah. I know how excited you are because you're preparing a book on this topic, mm-hmm. and we're kind of getting in on the ground floor of yeah. that here today. So we're, we're going to talk about that in a moment with Hewitt Sawyers, but Jubilee comes to mind, the yeah. song Jubilee, and there's, of course, a tie here. Yeah, and, and as we as we talk about slavery in the New Testament and the Old Testament, it pops up everywhere. It really is part of the fabric in the Bible uh, for those who were followers of Jesus to understand really who they were and uh, what they'd come from, where they were going, that sort of thing. And when Jesus comes on the scene, one of the first things he announces in the synagogue is that he's come to proclaim the acceptable day of the Lord, which is a reference to the Jubilee. Mm-hmm. The where 50-year Jubilee. The 50-year yeah. Jubilee, which, as we know, uh, we're fairly certain, was never celebrated. It's tragic. Really? It was never celebrated. I didn't know that. Yeah, I, I just recently found that out. But part of Jubilee was that uh, every, all debts were canceled, uh, which is... Yeah, uh, would be a pretty cool thing. To, those in charge didn't want to go through they that. They wouldn't work for a year. They'd have a party that lasted for a year, but everyone who was in slavery was set free. Huh. So Jesus had come to proclaim freedom for the captives. All right, don't miss our conversation coming up, but as you prepare for that, listen to this song from Michael here in the studio, Jubilee. 
time for the slaves to be set free, for the debts to all be cancelled so his chosen ones could see. His deep desire was for forgiveness, he longed to see their liberty, and his yearning was embodied in the year of Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our jubilee. At the Lord's appointed time, his deep desire became a man. The heart of all true jubilation, and with joy we understand. In his voice we hear a trumpet sound that tells us we are free. He is the incarnation of the year of Jubilee. Jubilee, Jubilee. Jesus is that Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free. Jesus is our Jubilee. To be so completely guilty and given over to despair. To look into your judge's face and see a Savior there. Jubilee, Jubilee. Jesus is the Jubilee. Debt's forgiven, slaves set free, Jesus is our Jubilee. Uh, so nice. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Jubilee. And I, I think I kind of see th- right through you here today. Yes. Because... You're preparing this book on slavery yes. in the Bible, yes. and so we invite Hewitt Sawyers into the studio. Uh-huh. You're looking for information, aren't Exa- you? You're doing you are, research here You today. are exactly right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Hewitt, welcome back. Thank you, Wayne. Glad to be here. Pastor, uh, the church is? West Harper Primitive Baptist Church right. out on Columbia Highway. Yeah, it's uh, always nice to see you when we come to town here to Franklin. So, yep. And a fellow Empty Hands, member of the Empty Hands Fellowship. It's good to have you here, Hewitt. Thank you. What do you think about Michael writing a book about the, on the topic of slavery in the Bible? I think it's about time someone did it and mm-hmm. do it and was doing it the way that I think he'll do it. Yeah. Well, that's why you're here to help, to, to help tell me how I should do it. All we right. have a book in the making yeah. here today. Yeah. And, and one of the last uh, last programs we talked just briefly in, in terms of introducing how 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 much the idea of slavery is all through the Bible. How Jesus identifies himself as a slave. Paul, Peter, James. Mary, the mother of Jesus. I mean, so many people say uh, have their identity and that they're slaves uh, to God. And so, what we want to do now um, is 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 start making some connections so that uh, so that I can understand this topic better and the listeners can understand this topic better. And Hewitt, I, I said before that in in all the research and reading uh, that I'd done to prepare for this, most of the academics completely discount 
the experience of African-American slavery. They'll say it was so different from slavery in the first century. But I'm not finding that to be the case at all. And, and, and my experience in the church has been that um, the, the background, as painful as that was, and we don't want to overlook that, how, how horrible slavery it remains because it's still present in the world today. But it really became, I think, the great strength of the African-American church. And so I just wanted to hear you talk about that and, and, and find, uh, find us a place where we can land in the scriptures and talk about it as well. Yeah, Michael, I think that um, slavery still is uh, alive and well, unfortunately. But the, the idea of slavery, understanding it from the perspective that it is someone who has submitted themselves or in a relationship with someone else who has control over them. Mm-hmm. And so that, from that vantage point of that definition, we still have, or the African-American slavery was still very similar to the biblical slavery, mm-hmm. that is, someone had control. Where we are today, I really think that African-Americans, particularly the African-American church, uh, is a product of that because the African-American church played a very real role in delivering Mm -hmm. uh, to bring salvation, to bring freedom uh, to those who were enslaved. Mm -hmm. Well, from the research, I've learned the first churches that were organized, uh, the first African-American churches that were organized in America were in, in the pens, in the slave pens where people were being brought in, they started organizing churches. And, uh, you know, so from the very beginning, uh, that, that Christ's presence was felt. And there was a connection, and, and this is what I want to focus on now. There, there was a connection that they were able to make with the gospel that um, their, their white contemporaries couldn't make. Because of the experience. Because of their, of their experience. suffering. It is always... Um, something that is difficult to really put your finger on. It's like a person who has a terminal disease today, and you talk to that person, and they have a perspective that no one else has, even if you're a physician, mm-hmm. and you've tr- and you've studied this disease, you don't have that perspective. Same thing happens with respect uh, to uh, the African-American church and the slave situation. When a person has nowhere else to turn, when a person cannot find peace or cannot find comfort in anything, Mm -hmm. and the Holy Spirit being who he is, taps into Hmm. the spirit of that person. Breaks through, so to speak. Breaks through. When that happens, then this person has a concept of what God can do that nobody else can really tap into. Mm -hmm. So our backgrounds and experiences lends themselves to helping a person to understand that God will do Mm -hmm. everything he says he'll do. Mm -hmm. So as evil as that was, God brought some good out of it. uh, I think that's what uh, Paul says uh, to the church at Rome, for all things work together for the good of them mm-hmm. uh, who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. Yeah. yeah, We're on the edge of our chairs here today because just as we started to think about recording our conversation for the program today, Hewitt brought up Daniel chapter 3. Yeah. And I want to take us there right now so we have plenty of time to develop this. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael, you really lit up when you heard about this. Yeah, all my research and everything that's laid out, I don't have a single thing from Daniel. So I'm, I'm anxious to hear you un- unwrap this for us. Uh, Mike, the, the, the uh, Daniel chapter 3, when we look at the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego mm-hmm. being under Babylonian captivity, 
they recognized that they were slaves, but they were looking for a different kind of freedom than what they would receive by being away from under Babylonian captivity. Mm -hmm. So you can see them demonstrating this, and it is very illuminating when you see a slave telling the king that, King, I know you can take my life, but I know another freedom. Mm -hmm. And, King, do what you want to do. We will not bow down. You know the story that mm -hmm. they he had asked them to bow down at the sound of the music. Mm -hmm. And they said, no, we will not bow down. And no matter what you do, King, we recognize who you are, but we'll not bow down because the God we serve is able to deliver us mm -hmm. out of thy hands, O King. What a powerful illumination. What a freedom that a lot of people can't understand because we are transfixed on what our circumstances are. But if you can ever grab hold to what those three men grabbed hold to, mm -hmm. where they understood that they got a freedom that's beyond just not being under your bondage. Well, talk a little bit more in specifics about their experience. Now, they, they were, there were certain food yes. they wanted them to eat. and Yes. I mean... The king wanted uh, uh, those persons who were serving him to eat food that he had chosen himself. Mm -hmm. and they, Which is another kind of control. Another uh -huh. kind of control, because if you were going to serve him, you had to eat because this food was designed to the old, uh, the uh, King James Version calls it fair. Mm -hmm. In other words, you would have had smooth skin. You would have you would have looked good, plump. Uh, everything would have been just right. Mm -hmm. But they said no. We will not eat that food because we have planted in our hearts a freedom that you can't see. You have us in physical bondage, but you don't have our spirits and our minds in bondage. Mm -hmm. So they refused to eat the food. And then as they went on, uh, the, those who others who were around there had a really difficult time. So they said, these guys that you have chosen king to serve you. You put out a decree that everyone would bow down when the music played, and they didn't bow. So, King, you need to do something. The king called them in, that is, King Nebuchadnezzar. Mm -hmm. And as he called them in, he says, why didn't you bow down? And they say, oh, King, we're not going to bow down. He says, well, I'll tell you what. If you don't bow down the next time the music is played, I will put you in the fiery furnace. Mm -hmm. And they said, I hear you, King but we still will not bow down. And the, the, the moral, the thread that runs through this that just really just feeds my spirit is the fact that they knew that they had a freedom that he didn't understand. Mm. You know what I'm thinking, what we talked about, the title of your book being, Michael? Mm, yeah, Better Freedom. Yeah, mercy. yeah mercy. The, the idea that the, the only way we, biblically, we really become free is realizing that we become a slave to Christ. One of the authors said, you know, the Bible doesn't say, here, I'm going to give you a choice, be either be free or be a slave. The Bible says, you're a slave. Yes. Who are you going to be enslaved to, yeah. the world yeah. or to Christ? Yeah. yeah. And we all always are to some degree. Um, uh, many people who are well off financially are slaves to money. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they're slaves to things um, that we can have houses and land and all of that. Some uh, are even slaves to prestige and notoriety. Mm -hmm. So Power, you're going to be yeah. slow. Yeah. You're going to be a slave to something. Mm -hmm. But then that great question comes: Are you a slave 
to the Lord Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. A better freedom. A better freedom. What does Jesus say? If the Son sets you free, oh, you're, you're free you're indeed. You're going to be really free. Yeah. <laughs> this is the kind of freedom that you you really can't understand until you've gone through the wilderness or you've had this uh, you've had this awakening to realize that you really are in bondage. Yeah. 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 So, so is is this a passage that have you heard this preached a lot in in the context of uh, the African American church? Is this a, a favorite topic, or is this one that you've focused in on yourself more? Or? I have focused in on this. It's been preached a lot, but maybe in my presence, but not necessarily from this perspective. Uh-huh. But I, I, it it speaks to me because uh, I have uh, read a lot of Martin Luther King Jr. speeches. Mm-hmm. And uh, as you look at his life, one of the things that is uh, so illuminating is people couldn't understand why he would go into a bondage situation. Why would he voluntarily go to jail? Why would he voluntarily be uh, let himself be attacked by dogs or have water hoses put on him? It's a better freedom. It's Mm. it's a situation where you just don't understand. a man's mind can be in bondage. His heart can be in bondage. But when, and you just quoted it a moment ago, when the son has set you free, you are free indeed. And there's no way mm-hmm. for any physical constraints, the things that we usually deal with, no way those things can hold us. Mm-hmm. It's a better freedom. Mm-hmm. And how tragic we don't understand the things that we're in bondage to yes. apart from Christ yes. that have us in that trap. And, yeah. and to ignore that and to not understand that is, is terrible. Yeah. Well, I think part of uh, Martin Luther King's vision that was also so radical uh, is the fact that he would, um, he would, he would make it clear that um, until there was progress in the civil rights movement, nobody was going to be free. That this system was enslaving uh, the white community as much as it was enslaving the black community. And I don't know how many people got it during those days, but when I now when I listen back to the those rec- recordings of his speeches, um, I don't think anybody else got it that way. Let me say this, uh, Michael. Uh, even in today's society, and this is um, maybe something that some of my colleagues would not uh, particularly agree with, but when we look at what the results of slavery is when we have in the African-American community an, uh, a disproportionate number of um, female-headed uh, households, when we have a disproportionate number of African-American young men in prison, yeah. uh, those kind of things. What give, Those who may have contributed on the other side to the slavery process are now having to pay taxes. Right, yeah. So, see, it slavery uh, works on both sides, and yep. we may not uh, uh, understand it, but it does go across the board. Yeah. Wendell Berry has a great book called The Hidden Wound, wow. and as a white man having grown up in Kentucky, he talks about how he, in his experience, had been wounded. So, I mean, he's, he's an older man, so he had lived through the civil rights movement, and I think that's a great term for it, because it is still a hidden wound. Mm-hmm. And... Um, I don't know how many discussions I've had with Christians who say, what are you talking about? That, that's, that's over. That's a long time ago. And we'll say, nope, you know, we are still, um, we still have work to do. Yeah. But, but what I want to do is, uh, as I said before, is look back and see the great 
benefit the great strengths that the African American church has for us in understanding one of the fundamental, if not the fundamental, um, ideas of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus, what it means to really be free, what it means to call Jesus master and understand uh, all the way back <laughs> all that that means. So and this, uh, this lesson from Daniel chapter 3 today has really set us on that road once again. Yeah. And, so and, thank and, you. Yeah. Well, can you, and can you conclude for us the, the, when, the, when, the, when the ropes get burned off? I mean, that, that, the symbolism of there, that must be pretty rich. <laughs> So they, um, they get thrown in. You know the story as they were thrown into mm. the, the furnace and um, Nebuchadnezzar came back and looked in and and he called out. He said, didn't we put three yeah. in the furnace? And they said, yes. But he says, it looks like I see four. four. Yeah. And the fourth one looks like the, the son, son of God. God. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that the, the, the whole idea there, and I think this is the context, if you were saying what the black church is about is when your your back is against the wall and there's no other resource. The black church, I believe, out of slavery, learned to look for that fourth man mm. in the furnace. Oh. Mm. And when you look at that fourth man in the furnace, you don't have to worry about it because you know he's always there. And and the the, the description of what happened to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego is just overwhelming. It said that there was not one hair singed on their head, and the smell of smoke not even wasn't even smell. on them. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> even the smell. Yeah. Their yeah. clothes were not burned. Yeah. Now that's a better freedom. <laughs> what a powerful statement. Hewitt Sawyers, thank you, brother. It was great to see you again. Glad and to uh, what be a rich here. lesson here today, yeah, Michael. Thanks, Hewitt. Glad to be here. We are going to take a listener's question via email here in just a moment. But as we wrap up with Hewitt, Michael is prepared to sing a song for us again right now. Uh, this is a song of surrender. Talk about a better freedom. This is Take My Life. Michael Card in the studio. Take my life and let it be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee Take my moments and my days Let them flow in ceaseless praise Let them flow in ceaseless praise Take my hands and
Thank you, Michael. Here's an email from Janet who listens to us on The Path in Ohio. And she says she's a stay-at-home mom with two kids who are seven and two. Mm-hmm. So let's pray for Janet right Good now. Good for her. Yeah. <laughs> she says, my question deals with Mary and the miracle Jesus performed in turning the water to wine in John 2. Why did Jesus go ahead and change the water to wine even after he told his mother that his time had not yet come? Yeah, th- that's a great question. And, and, and there's some other uh, details that she asked about later, but let, let's deal with that one first. Mm-hmm. Of course, this is Jesus' first miracle. And uh, John, who has worked everything out, uh, John, who has been preaching these stories, you know, for 30 years, that's the great thing about reading the Gospel of John. Everything is ordered and themed and tied (laughs) together. Um, So the very first miracle of Jesus points to the very last uh, wedding supper of the Lamb. So this is a miracle that looks forward. All right. And um, I think when you read the whole business of Mary, uh, Mary doesn't ask him to do anything. If you look, Mary just tells him they have no more wine. Okay, she just sort of lets oh, him know about the situation. That's right. Yeah, and then uh, I think what you have to understand is I think it's a question of tone, because the tone in Mary's statement uh, and and in Jesus' response. Uh, she knows he's going to do something about it because the next thing Mary does is go to the servants and she says, do whatever he tells you to do. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Yeah, so it's not just a simple matter of, you know, Jesus is is irritated because I don't think he's irritated at all. You know, in, in the Greek, you know, he responds to her, woman, why do you, you know, mm-hmm. and and it's the word gune, which is, you know, the, where we get gynecology from. It's, I mean, the Greek word for woman, which is also, I think, can be translated my dear. Hmm. It's not a harsh. So it's not a, no, not a thing going on here. No. But mothers do know their sons. So, so she knew how he was going to respond. Certainly. And I think that's the point, Wayne. I mean, th- this is an exchange between people who care for each other and and uh, and she knows he's going to do something about it. But uh, Janet goes on to say, obviously Mary had her thoughts of how Jesus' life would play out. I'm sure her pride for her son and her knowledge of his unique abilities took over at the wedding. Now, that I, I, I like the way Janet is interacting with her imagination. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's the level you need to read it at. Mm-hmm. But my response to that is, if this is Jesus' first miracle, and John tells us it is, if indeed this is his first miracle, Mary might not have known until this time that oh. he had unique abilities. It's not like she's asking him to do a miracle. Um, she just knows. I mean, he's her eldest son. He has some you know, authority and some responsibility. And, uh, and some people believe this is actually John's wedding <laughs> that they're at. So, so that's, that's, uh, that's the way I would interact with that. But then uh, she goes on to say, uh, but why did Jesus comply so willingly? Was it out of respect for his mother, or did God orchestrate the event so that Jesus could make public who he was and officially start his earthly ministry? Yes. I mean, uh, you know, obviously God had worked this out, and uh, uh, this is how Jesus first demonstrates, you know, his authority, uh, that, that, that he is the Son of God. But the interesting thing to me is this miracle, if you read closely, this is a this is a very private, a very small, a very subdued. Because you, if you read carefully, you'll see that only the servants even knew a miracle had happened. The people who went and filled the water jars and brought them back, uh, the master of the banquet apparently didn't even know a miracle had taken place. And and the important thing, Janet, is I think to understand that that's the tone. Uh, uh, very human, very Jesus displays his glory in a very earthly earthy, uh, simplistic way. 
but that's how he, he shows God's glory. All right, thanks, Michael. And we hope that you'll take a moment and pass along your questions about the Bible or living the Christian life. We can be reached at inthestudio at michaelcard.com. Also, I want to remind you that you can find out more about this program and our podcast by going online to michaelcard.com. That's michaelcard.com. In the second half, we're stepping out of the studio for a first-hand report on the activities of the Empty Hands Fellowship. After this break, in the studio with Michael Carr. We're excited about next week's session in the studio with Michael Card. In a new podcast, you'll get to meet Dr. John Long, who had a profound impact on Michael in college. And then we'll talk with Olivier Melnick, a new friend who has an outreach to Jewish people. As always, the Bible will be studied, and there's music that will tie the hour together. Look for the post and tell a friend about this podcast. Subscribe when you search for Michael Card in iTunes or Google Play. Back in the studio now with Michael Card, at least temporarily, because we'll be going yep. outside the studio next, Michael. Road trip. <laughs> How about that? You're used to that, aren't you? Yes. Yeah, unfortunately, yes. <laughs> we are going to uh, take our listeners with us uh, just a few miles from where we record the program, mm -hmm. back into the city of Franklin. Right. And a neighborhood called Hard Bargain. We've talked about Hard Bargain before. Yeah, it's it's a unique neighborhood. It's a it's a historic neighborhood. Uh, it was uh, originally set up... Um, uh, right after the Civil War, mm -hmm. um, uh, primarily to provide a place for um, people who um, had come out of slavery, and uh, and and it has been that really ever since. Um, uh, it, it the neighborhood has had really good you know periods and mm -hmm. and then harder periods of time. Uh, our good friend Scott Rowley moved there a number of years yeah, ago. We, we've talked about that story here. Yep, and uh, it's it's amazing the the impact uh, that uh, that people can have. I mean, even before any sort of neighborhood renewal started, uh, Scott was there uh, and and built relationships, and uh, and then of course we all know Pastor Denny Denny Denson. Yes, they joined uh, joined forces. And uh, and it was really their vision that uh, that eventually led to the building of this house that we're going to go visit. And this was put together. We'll learn more from Denny when we step inside the house in a moment. But this was put together a project by the Empty Hands Fellowship. Right. Uh, the Empty Hands guys just thought we need to to lend a not just lend a hand. We need to give a, a hand up here to someone. So. Right. And but but rem remember when when we go there and and we meet everyone who's involved. Um, uh, the young woman Linda who's who's uh, getting the house. She's buying this house. Right. Nobody's yeah. giving her anything. And and I I like to stress the fact that her. Um, um, Discipline and all, all the things that have led her uh, to be able to move into that house, and we'll find out that she's gone through uh, a period of sort of mentoring in, uh, relation, in uh, relationship and finance and that sort of thing. But but the fact that Linda has has invested in this house, that means that now we'll be able to build another house. Yeah, it's and, not going to stop here, is it? No, I mean we've got space right now for six houses. Huh. Uh, we've already got the property. And uh, and so we'll we'll talk to uh, uh, the women who screen applicants, and uh, it's it's amazing how complicated it becomes. <laughs> yeah, I can only imagine. Well, Michael, just before we take that road trip, as you call it, here mm -hmm. today, we're going to ask you to sing a song here in the studio. I, this is just the perfect song, I think, for this moment. You're going to introduce it for us. Yeah, um, this song was written a long time ago, uh, actually, for a friend who's who's. Uh, 
marriage was in a, a really uh, rocky place, and uh, it was written as a song of encouragement uh, to a brother who was uh, trying to get his home back on the right foundation. It's entitled Home. Michael Card in the studio. Michael, this is our version of Extreme Home Makeover here. <laughs> we are standing in a brand new home in Franklin, Tennessee. Custom-built home. A custom-built home in yeah. Franklin, Tennessee. And this is a story, believe you me, a story indeed. And we've got a whole uh, group of people standing in a circle here. We'll get to know all of them in just a minute. But I want to start with Denny Denson here of the Empty Hands Fellowship. And Denny, you got to start us off on this story of this house. Well, Wayne, uh, one, of, one of the things I can say, this is a six-year vision coming into reality. Uh, as you know, the Empty Hands Fellowship, we purchased a piece of property uh, about six years ago. It, w- it was going to be a transitional home. It did not work out. And we said, well, let's build a house. And so for six years, we've been trying to build a house. Uh, of course, myself and Scott Rowley are visionaries. <laughs> we don't know how to put feet to vision. So we had to wait until the Lord sent some younger brothers along who understood 
what this thing was all about and put feet to the vision. And so this is the very first house that we've built in, in a place called Hard Bargain, which is a, a African, one of the oldest African-American neighborhoods in Franklin, Tennessee. And our vision is to build as many homes in the area as we possibly can. We've got enough property now to build six homes. And so, and we've got the young lady here with us, Linda Rutledge, who is going to be the recipient of the very first house. And I, she's overexcited and uh, uh, just pouring out with joy for the house. Yeah. Could you define for us workforce housing? That's a, that was a new idea for me. Well, what, what's happening is that when you live in an upscale place like Franklin, they, they don't like the affordable. Yeah. So it came out workforce. And this is one of the most affluent counties in the, in the country, isn't it? it? it it's 10th, 10th or 11th. And so, wow. But this is, a, this is a workforce. Which house. makes it hard for people who are just kind of working for a living to, to afford a house around yeah. here. And, and you mentioned community. Uh, this house is built by the community. A lot of things have been donated. Uh, uh, a lot of money has, we, we don't get grants or anything. It's just done through contributions. Yeah. And so the whole community has been involved with this. Okay, Mike and Denny, as we talk about this today, I want our listeners to keep in mind that while we're talking about what's happened here in the neighborhood of Hard Bargain uh, in Franklin, Tennessee, I want you to keep in mind that you could do this where you live. You know, it's not impossible, right? It's done. We're standing in the house. Now, we're so ho- hoping this is going to be a blueprint for some other community. Wouldn't that be yeah. great? Oh, yes. All right. Well, let's meet the uh, the young lady who's going to move into this house, Linda Rutledge. Welcome, Linda. Thank you. You've you got to just be excited to stand here. I mean, it's not finished yet. but No, I'm very excited, very blessed. And I thank God, first of all. Yeah. You've got a little girl. I do. Who's about, what, six, you she's said? She's six. Man. And she's seen this place? She have. I bet she's, she's ex- running around, huh? She's excited. <laughs> <laughs> she's running around. Yeah. <laughs> Now, uh, listeners, Mike, may recall that we did uh, uh, a program one time at the Children's Mercy Medical Clinic here right. in town. Mercy Children. Mercy Children. And Linda works there. So yeah. what do you do there, Linda? I'm the front office check-in. So it's like a receptionist. So that's a pretty bu- busy place. The patient. Yes, very yes. busy. So this is going to be a nice, <laughs> quiet place to come <laughs> as a retreat, huh? It is. All right. Very. Well, and um, Denny, we've got some other folks here in the circle, too. Why don't you introduce yes, them well, to us? We've got Teresa Burns and... And, what, and, and Emma Witherspoon, and what Teresa does is that so that we as a, a group would not have to select people uh, to, 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 for, how, for the housing, you know, to, to pick who will get a house, Teresa runs an uh, uh, organization called GAP, and what, and what people do, they, they go through that, and she'll, she'll further explain, but she's the one that get people ready for the, for the houses that we're yeah. building. Teresa, you're the connection here, huh? Yes, I am. And basically, uh, I thank God for uh, Pastor Denson. Um, GAP is a organization, was a vision that was sent to me through God. And GAP stands, not blue jeans, but it stands <laughs> for God Answer Prayers. Oh, oh, wow. And I got it from John 14. And if we ask in his name, he will provide. And also, Emma Witherspoon is our housing uh, counselor. And I, I heard of the Empty Hands Fellowship uh, and seen all the pastors, how they get together and, and, and educate. So God has just gave me the vision to go forth. And basically what we do is called financial fitness. We, ta- we taught Linda for eight weeks and plus, or actually 13 weeks, on everything on how to buy a home. We are a certified HUD agent. We, we educate on home ownership. And on the reverse side, we educate on foreclosure counseling. And we do it in God's way. We don't do it in the world's way. We teach them about stu- all the pro program is about stewardship and, and what God has for you. It is for you. And this is what GAP is all about. Yeah. 
Emma, nice to see you here today. This has got to be so exciting for you, uh, Teresa, and you, Emma, having done what you've done to connect Linda with the Empty Hands Fellowship. And here we are. I mean, the paint's got to go on the walls yet, and the floor's got to be put in, but she's about ready to move in here. Yeah, we're excited about it, especially it being the first home, and that over the weeks that we've dealt with Linda, we've gotten to know her, and we're just happy all the way around, and we look forward to working with Pastor Denston in the future on the next home. We've got another client already set up, okay? <laughs> so, so this is just an affordable house for Linda, who yes. works, you know, who yes. serves so well mm-hmm. at the Mercy Children's Medical Clinic, yeah. and it just makes it in a place where it'd be next to impossible, I assume, to, to buy a home in such a such an area, well, you, you've well, just made it possible. Well, well, well you've you, you got to remember, uh, again, Franklin being the 10th or 11th richest county in the United well, Williamson County, rather, being the 10th or 11th richest county in the United States. The average cost for home in Williamson County right now is about $170,000, $180,000. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this, this home, once we get done with it, uh, it'll probably appraise out about $155,000, $160,000. And we're going to sell it for, to Linda for $110,000. Okay. Oh, wait a minute, Mike. Did you, <laughs> did you catch that? Yeah. Well, but the other thing you have to understand is Linda's purchasing this house is going to help us to do the next, next house. house. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. It right. rolls. See, see, yeah. Yeah. see because we, 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 don't, we, we don't have any grants. It's all through donations. And so yeah. this is a community-built house. Fabulous. And, and I truly believe as, uh, as it... It's all about partnership and collaborations, getting the word out, letting families know that you can own a house, realizing God's American dream, not realizing the dream. And if you work in this community, you should be able to live in this community. Well, this really is a hand up for Linda and her little girl. Uh, You know, Linda's got some responsibility here, right? Oh, yes. And you want it that way. Oh, yes. Well, well, and one of the things that happen is that she won't get the house and just be here by herself. The Empty Hands Fellowship will always be here to help her yeah, if she need help. Gap will always be. Yeah, in other words, we 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 we're going to stay partners with Linda. She she's got friends. Yeah. And another and another thing that, that that's happening is that what we're really trying to do is bring back people to the community who lived here. Yeah. You know, Linda lived in the community. Uh, and, and so this is what we're doing. We're bringing back people who lived in the community who could not have lived here before. Yeah. So you get to stay close to home. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Born and raised. Been here all my life. Yeah. So. You know, Mike, I've been reading a history book you gave me about this county. And this neighborhood goes back all the way to the 1860s. Yeah. Oh, yes. yeah it's just oh, an amazing yes. place. It really is. Yes. Mm-hmm. A lot of history here. And, and, uh, and, and the thing that has happened is that this house... Uh, has brought a new excitement to this area. Yeah. Well, let's talk about that. Uh, do you talk to the neighbors at all? Are they, I mean, oh, they've got yes. a notice of brand new custom homes going up oh, in this they, neighborhood. They come by, they yes. look, they come, and we keep it open. They come through, they look, and 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 so we, it, it's a showpiece as of right now. But it, it's 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 for real. Yeah, you know? Teresa, you've seen that too. Yes, a lot of our clients that come into <clears throat> Gap. Um, they said, well, who, what, what, kind of, what is that house doing over there? What's going on over there? I said, well, come over to Gavin. Let me tell you what that is all about. And once they get in the program, that's when I call my net. I'm a fishing room like Peter. I bring them in, and we get them into the program and say, if Linda can do it, anybody can do it. So, What have been some of your other success stories? What have you done? Well, we just saved a house out of foreclosure um, this past week. Uh, we had a lady who lost her home in Brentwood, and she was able, we found an investor to buy the home, and she gets to move on and help her. She was caring for her elderly family, so she was able to save her home. 
That's that, it's just a tremendous story. And once again, I want to emphasize, Mike, that you know while we're celebrating this story here, we want to see it celebrated in the future in other places around the country. Yeah. Well, and just let me say this one thing: when we when we started working, uh, the Empty Hands were working on a chaplaincy program with the police department, and we did some ride-alongs with some of the local uh, police officers. Uh, I found out that a lot of the policemen. A lot of the service people who work here in Franklin, they can't afford to live in Franklin. I mean, yeah, and so that's why workforce housing, if you're going to work here, you ought to be able to live here. And also with me, I'm I'm part of that testimony (laughs) because my husband is a firefighter, Mm -hmm. and I was the one that kind of somewhat gave me gaps vision, too, as well. And, you know, one of the things that's happening is that our vision is is to really not only just build new homes, but we, we, we're talking to some people now who are homeowners that uh, would like to have their houses remodeled, and, and, we, and we'll do that. Yeah. And, 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 we, and we're, we're not talking at great cost. You know, what, our vision is just to uplift the community, rebuild the community, bring, revitalize it, bring life back into the community. As a matter of fact, I had a young lady call me this morning. It's got a lot for sale. And I said, well, we'll get it appraised and, and see, and we'll put a house on that, yes. So a lot of the materials here in this brand new home have been donated. Oh yes, and and the, the, and a uh, lot of lot of the labor, yeah. I mean, was under cost, and and uh, so this is the only reason. We, see, one of the things that happened, we, we're not getting any grants. It's and so Wait, there. I mean, the government's not involved in no, this. No, the government's not. In, that's why we can do it the way we want to do <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah, another way we saved a lot of money was to not let Denny do any of the work. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I made sure the work was done. But 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 the thing that that that's just happening, it, it's 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 going to bring life back into the community, and it and, and it brings hope. It yeah. really does. I think you should let him hang the last door or something just to say he did something in here. Well, huh? the, the the biggest thing that that I I want people to know. That, that that's listening to the radio is that this is a house that anybody would live in. Absolutely. I mean, it's not, it is not something that's just thrown together. That's right. Yeah. And that's, that's important. I mean, it's important for Linda. Yeah. Uh, it's important to all of us for, yeah. that we live that way. Mm-hmm. We're building a home that will be here 150 years from today. Yeah. How yes. about that? Well, before we go, I want us to pray in just a few minutes and kind of dedicate this new home. We'll do that in just a minute. But, Mike, um, I I can't emphasize enough that if we do maybe stimulate some thinking and some ideas out there in our audience and maybe somebody gets together and does something like this, we want to hear about it. You know, it'd be be wonderful to tell 10 more stories like this on the radio soon. huh? I never thought of that. (laughs) And and, and Mike, being a part of the Empty Hands Fellowship, Mike, why don't you pray for that? I would love to. Yes, Lord Jesus, uh, you, you promised uh, that you would, uh, you would be our home. You promised your people that you would bring them home. And uh, we believe and we trust and we, we know that you care about home. And uh, the, a, a real physical home like the one we're standing in. So in your name, uh, Father, we dedicate this home to your glory. Uh, we pray uh, protection over Linda and her little girl. And, uh, and we pray that uh, this place would um, be a beacon, would be um, a testimony, and that n- nobody who comes in this house would leave the same, that they would, uh, they would understand uh, that you, Jesus, uh, want to prepare. You're preparing a place for us now in heaven, but uh, you, that you, you put it in the hearts of uh, men and women, your, your, your uh, people who love you and follow you, to, uh, to prepare places here so that we can... We can uh, 
have meal fellowship, that we can be together, we can, we can come together in your name. So we dedicate this to you, Lord Jesus, and, uh, and we ask that you would bless this place in your name. Amen. 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 What a housewarming here today. Yeah. Uh, Teresa and Emma, thank you for the part you've played. And Denny, of course, you and Mike and all you guys at the Empty Hands Fellowship. It's just remarkable. Are you going to just let, turn Linda loose? Or are you going to just forget about her once she's no, moved in? No, place? We'll always be here. Yeah. Always be here. Yeah. Matter of fact, didn't I hear something about a garage sale maybe? Oh, well, what's, uh, what's, what's happening is that, uh, you know, donations are always coming in. So the lady came with the donation for the hardwood floors. And she said, well, what we're going to do, she, she said, I'm going to get some of my friends together. We're going to have garage sales. And what we're going to do is that uh, we're going to give uh, a tremendous housewarming. Mm-hmm. We're going to bring in some gifts for her, her, her daughter. Mm-hmm. And, all, and, and so, it, 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 you know, God has just really touched the many hearts. Uh, but the thing that I, you know, out of six years and when the first stone was laid <laughs> here on the foundation, I wept. Mm-hmm. With joy, you know, because, uh, you know, out of, you know, and to be, this is probably the most, uh, the Lord has allowed me to do many things for him, but this is probably the most joyous thing. We see it in your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I've, I've been able to do, you know, it, yeah. to, to be able to, to really, uh, you know, you, you help people all the time, but you know you're really helping now yeah. because Linda's visible standing here. Mm-hmm. You see the gift that's standing here. Amen. And we're just waiting, just, uh, just, uh, overjoyed is what God's doing. Okay, one last thing, Linda. I mean, we're standing in a house that is yet to be painted, and the carpet and the hardwood floors got to go down yet. But you must have some ideas of what you're going to do here. Ooh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just overwhelming right now. Yeah, Denny talked about the tear being shed when the first stone was laid. I bet there's some tears going to be shed on moving day. It's going to be. Yeah, yeah. God it's bless you, Linda. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you all. You Mike, God thanks God. for bringing us together well, here. I want to thank everybody for coming out on a cold day yes. to, to talk to us. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. I haven't turned the heat on yet. No, <laughs> to, not yet. A cold day to a house warming. Yeah. <laughs> Sing his name for Christ.
Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And grace be with you all. And may the great shepherd of the sheep equip you with good things for doing His will. And grace be with you all. And grace be with you A fitting song to wrap up our time together this week in the studio with Michael Card. If you have a reaction to what's been presented today, then please get in touch with us. Send your comments as well as your prayer requests and Bible questions to studio at michaelcard.com. We hope that many more of you will check in with us. Send those emails to studio at michaelcard.com. Through the web, you can stay connected with all that's going on with this broadcast and much more. Our address is michaelcard.com. Now, if you miss anything today, or if you'd like to listen again, we hope you'll take full advantage of our radio archive. And online, you can find out more about how you can access the program's podcast. Another way to stay connected with us is through the e-devotional. Each week, Michael prepares scripture and thoughts that coincide with the broadcast. Information about this helpful reminder and a complete listing of Michael's music and books, including the book on mentoring titled The Walk, can be found online at michaelcard.com. This radio outreach is part of the RBC family of ministries. We're happy to direct you to the great resources and devotionals that can enrich your study of God's Word. You can find the way to these extensive web tools through the link at michaelcard.com. Our producer is Joe Carlson. I'm Wayne Shepherd. Thanks for being with us in the studio with Michael Carr. In the Studio with Michael Card is produced in cooperation with RBC Ministries and the Moody Broadcasting Network.